All right, we are live. We're live. Uh, Alex Abrink has been traded. We're going to tweet this out, get people in here as uh, as quick as we can. Uh, YouTube was being a little finicky there for us because we were trying to rush onto here to just talk because we had a lot of thoughts. Everyone's got a lot of thoughts. Twitter is buzzing. Uh, we've already got some people in the chat here, which is good. Um, so we'll we'll get on the on Twitter there. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously a lot a lot to talk about. I, we, we're not going to get going here for for everyone who's kind of chilling here. Here we go. Now we're starting to get everyone in, involved. And uh, all right, folks, Alex Debrinkit has been moved. Finally, it finally happened. It feels like it's weird that I'm we're happy that it finally happened, but uh, it, it was it was a long time coming. And yeah, so Brennan, look, there, there, there's so many different angles to take at this deal. We've got how does it work with the cap now? They've got a bit of room to do stuff. They add a roster player, uh, a prospect, conditional first, fourth. I'm just going to ask you right away, uh, what were your initial thoughts? Just boom. I know we were kind of hearts were racing, just trying to figure everything out. But what were your initial thoughts as you found out the full return? Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm not uh, I'm not disappointed, but I'm also not super happy. Like I'm kind of just neutral here. I think that's what a lot of people are feeling. Um, Dominic Kubalik was one of the players I really wanted back in return. Now, I was hoping he'd be kind of a secondary piece, not the the main piece. But I guess we can consider the first round pick the main piece. Like that's nothing to scoff at. And honestly, with the way Boston's going with Bergeron, Krejci likely not returning, uh, I could see that pick and uh, like either pick Detroit or Boston being around that 15 mark, uh, which would be pretty nice, like a mid first round pick plus our own, which will probably be hopefully around the at least 20 mark. Um, like they could they could really pipe their uh, pipeline up next year. Right. So uh, Kubalik is someone who is going to help right now. And honestly, as much as I love some of the other players, Kubalik is just an excellent fit on this team. I think he's signed. Do you, do you have his contract up? I think he's 2.5 for one more year. Yeah. So. The unfortunate thing is at 27, he can hit free agency next year. I'm hoping Ottawa can get an extension done personally. I guess you could see the fit first. Uh, he's not going to be a core player on this team, but at the same time, he's a playmaker and he's a very good playmaker. He's a great passer, right? So um, playing with Josh Norris is likely what's going to happen. Norris and potentially Batherson, that's a, or Tarasenko, like that's a, a very lethal playmaker for them, which I like a lot. Obviously no Berggren, no Soderblom. Those are my kind of A plus deals. Like if they could have got them, I would be over the moon happy. Didn't happen. That's okay. I mean, a lot of people are going to say it's not okay. I've seen a lot of underwhelmed tweets already, um, which is fair. You can be underwhelmed, but I still think the first round pick is a big deal. Uh, Kubalik is a fairly big deal. Like don't underrate that player. He's a good player. I'll do a whole breakdown. We literally just like it's been 10 minutes since it, the trade happened. It feels like we are just this is right off the the stove with our initial reaction, but yeah, Sobrango had a bad year, sort of, but he was very good for Team Canada a couple of years ago, I remember. Uh, and then the fourth round pick, obviously another pick. So I think Ottawa gets some valuable assets, which is what we wanted. However, I think to make this a good move for Pierre Doria, right now for me, it's neutral. To make it good, I think they need to sign Tarasenko. And then that kind of is part of this deal in my mind, right? Like, so what were your thoughts? You go ahead. I'll start uh, advertising the stream here, but we're up to 100 viewers. So that's awesome. Yeah, again, thanks everyone for joining in. And we just hit 600, 600 subscribers uh, just as this whole thing was breaking, which is awesome. We're obviously, we're climbing, trying to hit a thousand before the season starts well on our way there. Um, yeah, look, I like I like Kubalik, I do. And I'm, I was with you. I wanted to maybe a secondary piece, right? I wanted um, them to, if they were going to move to break it in, especially to Detroit, Detroit has a ton of candidates where you could get two guys who could fit in your middle nine, or sorry, your, your top nine, middle six kind of players. They got one. Kubalik is a top nine player. He'll play on that third line probably. He's he can be versatile. You can put him with Norris and Batherson uh, and expect stuff. Like I like the the makeup already of a Kubalik Joseph Pinto line. If that's the way it stays, like I, I like that. Um, like you said, we're not. First of all, if anyone's kind of out of the blue here, we're not pulling this Tarasenko rumor out of the blue. Like this has been kind of rumored. He was it was rumored to be down to Carolina and Ottawa, and then it was rumored that he had signed with Carolina that didn't that didn't happen he fired his agent and apparently the process started all over again so I don't know if he was unhappy being in conversation with Ottawa but I mean I'm I'm optimistic that they can still get something done with Tarasenko now they need to make the cap space work the Sens don't have a, uh, enough cap space per se depending what to bring um excuse me Tarasenko gets and they still have to sign Shane Pinto it's tight. It's tight. That's not a lie. So initial reaction for me, meh, not over the moon. Like I'm neutral. That's kind of what I, I felt. Um, I know I, I tweeted right away. I was like, yes, but it was more, that's more just, it was, it was a big haul. And 
look, say what you want to say, a quantity over quality trade has worked out for yeah. Pierre Dorian in the past. Not to say that that's the way they should go, but I think that, um, I think this is a good way. And it, yeah, all of a sudden the Sens have two first round picks next year after having none the first two years, right? Because of obviously because of Debrinket. Um, now, what the way I see this, this conditional first round pick, whatever, whatever it ends up being 2025, 2024, whatever it is, that's bait. That's trade deadline bait. This is a team that's going to be pushing for the playoffs. We know that this is a trade that shows that because yeah, they get a roster player who can compete be on their team. He is going to be on their team next year and dominate Kubalik. But that first round pick, they, they're, they're not interested in making that pick. I can tell you that for free. That is going to be trade bait at the deadline. And Folks, it is a monster free agent market next summer as of right now. I know Anze Kopitar just signed an extension. Obviously, Brinkett did too, so he won't be there. But there are a lot of big names, and a lot of teams won't be making the playoffs. So there's going to be a lot of first-round picks thrown around at the next year's deadline. And I like that the Sens have two now. That's huge. Don't underestimate that. Depending where they are next year, they can add a top-nine talent. Now, I'm going to ask you this. Based on this, without a signing, do you think this is a playoff team? Are the Ottawa Senators a playoff team after this trade? So I'm going to throw this into cap friendly because I haven't seen the mock lineup yet. Uh, I'm just going to assume it's uh, Kachuk, Stutzla, Giroux, Kubalik, Norris, Blank right now. Um, I guess you could say Batherson, but I, I mean, I kind of like the idea of spreading it out more. I'll, I'll answer just based on that. I think they need to still sign somebody else. I mean, you've got one player. We, we kind of said this. We wanted two players at least that could play now and help them on offense because their depth is utterly invisible right now. Like they just don't have the depth to be a playoff team because guess what? If Josh Norris gets hurt again, like right now, you're in a very hard spot based on what you have. The other thing is like Kubalik, although I do like him a lot and he's a great player, he's not a, a pr- like a true top six. He's more of a top nine. He's probably going to play on their second line. You need guys like that. He's affordable, but I still think you need that guy to replace Dabrinkit. Kubalik does not replace Dabrinkit. Let's be clear. It's like McEwen replacing Watson. It's not the case. You can't just say things like that. Kubalik is a nice complimentary piece, but you still need to replace to Brinkett's goals, and Norris will do some of that if he's healthy, which I don't like. I hate banking on health. It really, you have to do it, but it sucks because Norris, man, if he gets hurt, they're in a rough spot, but you have to replace him. You still have to find somebody to play on the second line, uh, in my opinion, or at least another middle six. Like if they go and sign Tatar for a like three by three, I don't even know what they can afford now, but if they sign Tatar for something like that, uh, and play him on the third line and Batherson on the second, that would be awesome. Like, I'd be very, very content with that. Uh, Tarasenko is the obvious one. Now, if we're talking Tarasenko in this lineup with Kubalik there, I am going to be very, very happy. I think he's a great fit. Um, but Tatar is someone who I think they should look at. I just don't think that Pierre Dorian should be done after this. Like, this was a great move, but he only got one forward in return. And Ottawa's offense now, and this is kind of nice to say after... Uh, their defense was lacking so hard before this, but their offense is what's lacking right now. Like they need to fill out that group and they still haven't done anything now. Like they haven't added anyone except for Kubalik and McEwen at this point on offense. So we can bank on the prospects, but that's risky and I don't like it. And regardless of how much I like Kubalik, he is a pretty hefty downgrade on Debrinket as a player. Um, so I, I think that they do need to go get kind of make another splash move, quote unquote, and I would consider Thomas Tatar a splash if we uh, if we are talking about him. Yeah, Tatar would be that you know two middle six guys. You get Kubalik and Thomas Tatar. That'd be that'd be perfect. Um, hard to bang on the free agent market. Uh, let's talk about Donovan Sabrango quickly because I was big on him. I and I don't want to say big on him. I think he's a decent prospect. I thought it was a good pick at the time for the Red Wings, and I th- I thought he was doing well. He played last year at the 2022 uh, World Juniors. And he was pretty good for a pretty stacked Canada team that year, right? Um, they didn't end up winning, but uh, I, I thought he was pretty good. Other people disagree, and he did spend time in the ECHL this year, but to me, it just looks like one bad year. I don't know, man. I, I'm Offensive defenseman, I would say, is what he's, what he's tabbed at. Didn't have a ton of points. And from my understanding, this is pure eyeballing. I have no homework on the guy. In the AHL, there are more qualified people who have actually watched him and done that. However, and no, again, no offense to anyone in the chat. If there are no prospect writers or anything downgrading him in the chat right now, I'm not going to take that word for it. It sounds to me like he just kind of struggled in a different AHL system because I didn't hate the prospect and I don't hate that part of the trade. Now we were talking just before we went live. It's a position of strength for the Sens. They have so many left shot prospects as it is now. They're not top end guys, but the team alone, you've got Brandstrom, Shabbat, Sanderson, uh, Chikrin, Prospect depth, you've got Jorion Donovan, you've got uh, Thomas Hamara. 
and now you've got Donovan Sabrango. So it's a bit of a logjam. In Belleville, I think it might be good if he can actually find some footing in Belleville this season. I don't know if the left side is the Belleville strong suit for, for D. So yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I liked, I think it's an interesting name. I would imagine that maybe it's just the, a guy who they think needed a change of scenery there, Donovan Sobrango. But um, again, that's not a huge concern for the Sens right now because they need roster help now. And yeah, Kubalik is that, but you're right. It's a downgrade on Debrinkit. So I'm curious what else Dorian does because it can't be it. There has to be other moves maybe. I would even I said the deadline. Maybe this this first round pick they got is on the table tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe Pierre wakes up tomorrow and says to someone, "Hey, you want you want my 2024 first that I just got? It's fresh." Oh, Travis Konechny. Oh, oh, <laughs> there's a guy named Travis Konechny. I forgot about him. All right, the price was two first round picks for Scott Law. Send them both for Konechny. Send them both. I don't want them. <laughs> Well, that would be that would mean some cap uh, cap wiggle as well. Well, okay, I okay. Connecting makes five and a half. So yeah, so um, people are are very much commenting about the cap right now and what's going on. So I've quickly, as we're talking here, multitasking like never before in my life. Uh, yeah, go ahead first. Before people get all up in arms about the cap, let's take a look down the four hundred one. The Leafs are eight million over the cap right now and haven't signed their starting goalie. It's it's okay. You can be over the cap now. Just make moves later. They could sign Tarasenko to five and five and a half tomorrow. They just have to make subsequent moves. That's fine. That's not gonna. They're not gonna go to Tarasenko and be like, "Ah, oh, we can't sign you because we, you know, we we don't have the cap room right now." That doesn't matter right now. It matters in training camp. So they got to clear room after. But I, I don't buy that they couldn't sign him now because they can. It's just up to whether or not they can get it done. So Bruce Garriak just tweeted that Tarasenko continues to talk to teams. The Sens and Hurricanes remain interested. So I guess there was not a subsequent deal attached to this. But I mean, it still seems weird to me that Tarasenko's waited this long based on the market. Um, but regardless, I've got the cap friendly pulled up here. Let's throw it in uh, to the chat here. Okay, so basically this lineup, and I just did this quick, but this, they have about 3 million in cap space with this group. Uh, and that includes Hamannick and McEwen Scratched. You don't need another scratch there. Those two are fine like that. Um, I mean, you should, but you don't need it. So that's Pinto signed two by two. I don't I don't think he's going to go for more than that personally. I mean, he might, but I'm like, he's being a little bold if you want. <laughs> like, like I, I think if he's looking in the best interest of himself and the team, he'll take a short bridge deal at not $3 million. Like, anyways, um, this group here is missing one winger. Now, Tarasenko is going to get more than $3 million, so... To make him cap compliant, if they sign him, they're going to have to do a little bit of wiggling. I still think that that can happen. Like, I think there are ways to open up the cap. I mean, like you said, look at Toronto. Um, that's just one example. There's a lot of teams over the cap right now who are who are battling with things like that. But um, And I know people are going to want to see different variations. That's fine. But this group of players right here, I'm very confident in. And if you add a Tarasenko or... Like, Tatar seems like such a perfect fit on that third line, or, or if you put him on the second line and then move Batherson down, you balance it out a little bit. I think he'd be great on, like, a 3x3 three three or 3x2.5. That'd be awesome. Um, but regardless, I think that they have to fill that spot with someone who's not a prospect, and they've got about 2.93 million to do it right now. Joseph still remains an opportunity uh, choice to be able to trade. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do there, but... And, and but Okay, I see what's happening on the defense and why people are angry. That's not intentional. Get out of here. <laughs> There we go. That's a little better. I didn't even look at it that thoroughly. People, they did it themselves. Hate Brandstrom, man. Uh, don't hate on my boy. Brandstrom. Don't hate on him. But um, regardless, like this group instills confidence in me. I just think that they have to sign somebody else. Uh, what do you think about this mock lineup? I, I think it's a playoff team. You could put a rookie there. I think this is a playoff team. Again, health permitting. Um, I'm okay. I know you don't like banking on health, and neither do I. I'm okay banking on a guy not being out an entire season. Norris played eight games. Eight games, excuse me, last year. The year before, he played 64, 66 maybe. I consider that healthy. Yeah, he was out for an extended period of time, but he's still in the lineup for a vast majority of their games, 75% of their games. I think that's that that's considered healthy to me. Uh, you know, Tim Stutzel missed four games this year. I think they had maybe five, four or five players play all 82. It was Pinto, Kachuk, uh, Giroux, Batherson, and then uh, one of the defensemen maybe, maybe played all 82. But, like, that's, that's rare, I think, right? Um, so it's just major injuries. And yeah, you don't want to bank on that not happening because it does happen to every team. But as it stands right now, healthy, I think this is a playoff team in the Atlantic division. And I, I would challenge anyone on that. I think the Sens are better than the Red Wings, even after that deal. I talked about it last night on Twitter. I think 
if the Brinkett, I think the Brinkett's the best forward on the Red Wings right now. And the Brinkett was clearly last season, even at his peak, probably not the probably third best forward on this team uh, based on Kachuk and Stutzel. I think he could be better than Giroux uh, next season, but that like, he's not the top player on this team. So I, but just judging that alone, the Sens are over the Red Wings still after that deal. Um, yeah. So, so I, I like it. You're right though. They do need, I would not hate them signing another player who can play in their top nine Tatar, Tarasenko trading for Konechny. I don't know if we have any Flyers fans just watching right now for some reason. And if you are welcome, we're happy to have you. Um, do you think Tyler Boucher and a couple first round picks, conditional first round pick would be good enough for Konechny and or Lawton to combine? Like, I don't know, man. I, I, I would love, I would love uh, Travis Konechny. He would be, he would be so perfect, but um, that's not nothing. I, I think, I think uh, I completely forgot about Travis Konechny. And I think that's a good, and look, that's a guy you don't even need to add now. That can be a deadline addition, right? The Sens did it this year. What, is, what does Konechny have? Two years left on his deal now because we're, we're in the next season officially. Um, the Sens did the exact same thing with Jacob Chikrin. He was rumored on the trade block all season on a bad rebuilding team. Wanted out, not saying Konechny does, but he wanted out. And then at the deadline, the Sens get him. And now he's here for the next two years. I can see the exact same thing happening at next year's deadline with Travis Konechny. He'd be a perfect addition in that top six, bottom, you know, uh, middle six there. So, but until then, I do think that this team could survive with throwing a prospect there, Joseph. Like, I, I, I don't hate it because I don't think the fourth line can be as bad as it was, if that makes sense. If you put Joseph, on the third line, and then you throw, uh, I, I don't know, like name, name a prospect for me, Sokolov, uh, Yarventi, anyone you want to name on that fourth line because they might not have a choice. Um, I like it. Yeah, there we go. We got all the prospects right there. Smekal, I, I, again, we got to see some of these guys. Boko Imama, I love that. I'd be a great piece. Like it's it's cheap players because we, we mentioned this a while ago, right? Um, a lot of their entry-level deals or, or cheap AHL signings with their top prospects are for around 800, 850K. They're not the max, which is important, right? You save that $75,000, $50,000 on a player like that. Um, so I, I have confidence in this lineup when healthy, but we need them to make moves when they aren't healthy. They didn't make any moves last year. They didn't make any moves during the year to adjust and good teams do that. That's how they make the playoffs. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, that, that's so interesting about the the pick being trade bait at the deadline. I hadn't even thought of that originally. Um, I mean, the Sens should be buyers this year, right? Like, if they're not buyers, then Pierre Dorian, DJ Smith are out the door. So, like, like it, it's really playoffs or bust this year. Um, and now I've got the the chart looking at all of our prospects. It's a mess. But um, yeah, I mean, it's playoffs or bust. And if this trade, and I tweeted this before it happened, if this trade doesn't work out, like this is Pierre Dorian, his job is on the line. Like, this is kind of what we've been saying is that it, this trade is going to. Um, like Dorian's future kind of relies on it because if this team is not as good this year or regresses or doesn't make the playoffs because, you know, obviously they lost a premium player. I mean, it falls on Pierre for making this deal and you're betting on Kubalik and now you're betting on if they sign somebody or you're betting on the, the two-way guys you signed or the prospects stepping up, whatever they're betting on, like they better be pretty confident because their, their jobs are heavily on the line here. I know Ann Lauer's looked pretty happy alongside them at the, the development camp and stuff, but like, don't kid yourselves. Their jobs are on the line this year. This is still a tryout, and this was a major move. Uh, I will ask you, so how do you feel now about the Dabrinkit trade overall? Like, like going back to a year ago, they gave up Kevin Kraczynski, the seventh overall pick, um, and then they gave up a second and a third. Like, how do you, what are your overall thoughts on that now? What, would you do it again, and then it ends up being the situation? Like, like, now that you know how it played out, would you do it again, and what were your thoughts? I think there's two sides to this. It's there's two questions, right? Did they recoup the value and would you do it again? Uh, the first one, they, I don't think they recoup the value. I think, I think this is less value than they traded away. Um, it's, and I mean, obviously it's, it could be a first overall pick for all we know. It's the future. We saw how that turned out with Tim Stutzla. That's why he's an Ottawa Senator, right? Um, conditional first can always be slippery, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would do it again. I would because I, I think back a year ago, we were we were maybe maybe not a year ago. Last March, when they were out of the playoffs, we we were saying they, they need to do something. Something has to happen, and then boom, Pierre Dorian moves seventh overall, 39th overall for Alex to bring it. 
it was a home run. It was a home run at the time, just time-wise. It made sense, blah, blah, blah. This season, even, he made them a dangerous team, more dangerous than they were the year before. They had a second line with a superstar on it, um, or a star player, if you want to call him that. And I, I think based on what they got out of him last year, even though it was a down year for him, he has set a career high in assists. He was part of one of the best power plays in the NHL. Um, I'd do it again. i do it again. And if not for the stuff on the ice, if not for what you get in return and what you can do with the space, then to show the fan base that you needed to do something and you did it, and it made everyone buy back in. Think of all last year. Look, Dabrinkit was the first domino. Then they signed Norris to an extension. They signed Claude Giroux. I don't think Claude Giroux comes home if they don't make that trade for Dabrinkit. And I'm legitimately serious about that. I think he might have taken less money to stay in Florida. I'm not, and I don't, I don't think that's crazy. I think absolutely. I think Claude Giroux came to Ottawa because Dorian made a move like that for Dabrinkit. It just, it showed that he was ready to compete. Um, so if that's the trade-off, if that's part of the return in Claude Giroux or in the appeal to sign Claude Giroux, I'd do it 10 out of 10 times. I'd absolutely do that again. Would you rather Kevin Korczynski and whoever they picked, not that the Sens would have picked him, but prospects are willing, like the Sens don't need prospects anymore. So we're talking about trading this pick that they just acquired, right? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like I, I would do it again too. I think that the whole buying in thing was the the main point there that you you said because yeah, Claude. I think he, I think he actually referenced when he signed. Like, I'm pretty sure he said they showed with the moves they made this summer that they want to compete and be serious. Because, like, not to mince words, but the Sens were the laughing stock for like five years. I mean, they uh, under Melnick, like, I hate to say it, but they they just weren't competitive. Like, they weren't serious. People did not take them seriously outside of the organization. Acquiring Debrinket proved that they were serious. It, like, it proved that they are willing to spend money. It proved that they are willing to you know, make the move that matters. And now, obviously, Dabrinkit, and we can talk about kind of him too, and and him, I don't want to say, I mean, I do want to say, forcing his way out of Ottawa a little bit. Like, he signed for four years at, at 7.875 million, which is, I'm positive the Sens would have matched that. Like, it seems like they would have because Pierre said these teams aren't willing to match the term that we are or something like that. Uh, it seems like that offer would have been on the table and he just wanted to go home, which is fine and fair, but... Uh, we, we talked about it a bit. I think he's going to get booed when he comes to Ottawa just because, uh, and, and I guess they're going to be playing in Sweden too, actually against each other. So um, regardless, I, I think Dabrinkit is going to be kind of a boo candidate and we do have a right to be frustrated with them because if he signed an eight-year deal worth, you know, eight or nine million, that's a bit different. But the fact that he, he agreed to a four-year bridge deal is something that we were not expecting. That was a big plot twist in the thing that he kind of conceded to Iserman uh, in that sense so I mean I don't think his agent did a very good job um, but like you said I would make the deal again and and seventh overall is valuable but at this point and it's it's ironic because we have to be happy about the pick in this deal too but uh, at this point like it's about winning right it's about winning now we can't be waiting three four years for a prospect uh, so hopefully Pierre can kind of flip at least one of our picks next year and, and get us like if we're close to the playoffs he's got to do that and, and find a player on the market with all the, the free agents, like you said, the market at the deadline is going to be just booming. There's going to be tons of tons of players who could help the team. So uh, I'm interested to see what Pierre's plan is here. But I think the next couple of days is going to be interesting, too, because Tarasenko has been pretty heavily linked and would be kind of the, the chef's kiss to this lineup in my mind. So, yeah, let's uh, let's see what happens. What makes me excited, too. And just before we, we keep going here, we have 280 people here watching. Everyone, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're not wrapping up by any means. We'll keep it rolling here. but. If you have a second, leave a like and subscribe to the uh, Everyday Sends YouTube channel, which you are watching on right now. Uh, you can also just subscribe to everydaysends.com for uh, written content and more highlight analysis, uh, deep analysis about everything. We will certainly have stuff up about all of this. Um, look, what's interesting to me is, yeah, the narrative flipped on Debrinkit when they traded for him last summer. The narrative on the team flipped. Players wanted to come here. It was a much, much different vibe after they made that deal. It's crazy now, too, a guy who wanted to go home, essentially do what Claude Giroux did, to be honest, uh, and kind of follow his footsteps, short-term deal in your hometown. Um, it's interesting, right? And I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's wrong, but the, the narrative for fans has just dra like drastically changed with a player who doesn't want to be here. With the culture that's been built under Brady and, and Shabbat and Stutzel and all these guys who have signed long-term and, and wanted to be here, it's crazy that now with a guy who doesn't want to be here, it's almost like, really? Like, why? Why not? And I think we're completely in our right to do that. I don't, I don't think it's 
it's completely within Dabrinkit's right to want to go home and play home. It's it's not an opportunity that comes knocking very often, and they wanted him. He wanted to go there. You can't fault him for that, but you can't fault Sens fans for wanting to boo a guy who doesn't want to play here. That's sports. So I've seen the argument before because it's been talked about a long time. If he went somewhere else, maybe it's a bit different, um, but he wanted to go home. I understand not wanting to boo him for wanting to go home. That's fine, but if you see people ridiculing you for wanting to boo him and not liking the player anymore. I don't agree with that at all. It's sports. You're allowed to hate people for not wanting to play for your team. That's what the pride is. And he doesn't want to bleed Senator black a little shout out there for a father for enough on Twitter. Great account. Um, then, then he can go and that's fine too. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll find success there. I don't really have any ill will, but um, I don't want him to because they're on competing timelines here. So he's officially the enemy. He is, and, and like that's notable is that he's going to Detroit, who is a division rival, and, and we talked about how they needed to get value. Um, the one thing I do like about Kubalik, just speaking about rivalries, is that we did pull from their roster. That is something I said uh, a while back when we talked about it, was that I felt, although they have some really nice prospects there, I wanted to make sure we pulled from their roster in this deal, because like Kubalik's not a, a super high game changer, but at the same time, like I don't want Detroit stacking their roster you know, based on what we're giving them. I'd like to at least pull in Kubalik. Like, he played on their first line with uh, Larkin and Peral a lot last year, and he, he had like actually 17 primary assists. I was just looking at his numbers. Um, again, not a, a high play driver, but he had 81 games played, 20 goals, 17 primary assists, 45 points in total. Um, like he's he's a disher. Like he he's a good passer. Uh, and so if they bring Debrinket and put him on the wing with Kubalik now, like that's a nice little combo, right? So I'm happy to pull from their roster. Uh, I still don't think Detroit is has improved that much. Like I'm sorry, Detroit fans that are listening. I've seen a few of you in the chat respect like I, I like the respect because it has not been that way on Twitter uh, mutually myself included but like I respect the deal it's a fine deal you guys can be really happy with the Brinkett I wanted to keep him I'm not even trying to like like harp on him as a player uh, the situation sucks but I, I would like to keep the Brinkett great player at the same time I don't think Detroit is miles ahead now that they've gotten him and especially because it's only for four years like he's going to be 29 so at 29 if he's demanding an eight-year deal again like you're going to screw yourselves with that deal so um, Detroit I think they got better in this deal, but I don't think that they're like su- suddenly ahead of Ottawa. You know what I mean? Like Ottawa's core is still in place and still looks damn good. And the thing I like about Kubalik, and I'm all over the place, but the thing I like about Kubalik is that he's affordable. He can leave in a year, yes, but you could sign him at the end of this year for probably like I'm. It depends how he does this year, but you could sign him for two to three million for three years. You know, like you can get him on a very good deal and affordable in the lineup. Um, similar to like Joseph's deal, but he's a better player and he provides a lot more than Joseph does. So uh, that is one aspect to Kubelik that I like. And I also think he's perfect with Josh Norris uh, compared to Debrinkit. But again, I think both teams kind of had their their perks to this deal. Like, like, do you think Detroit really improved significantly by acquiring Debrinkit? Do you think that was a the right move for them uh, based on their kind of timeline and their contract situation with a lot of bridge deals here? Um, sure. Yeah, I, I think so. We've both said Debrink is going to score 40 somewhere. I, I, I said, I would be surprised if he does it in Detroit next year, but I also wouldn't, he's a 40 goal scorer and he will score more. We, how many posts did he hit this year? It was crazy. Um, so I've got a couple of things here. Uh, something on Donovan Sabrango. We'll go back to the prospect from beer league chump on Twitter. He's Eiserman season, obviously a Red Wings account, De- really good following actually. And I'll read what he said. He said, for my Sens mutuals, Sabrango is a legit NHL prospect. He's not going to be a guy who produces a ton of offense. Here we go. But he's a solid defensive defender who is skilled enough to move the puck. Also very feisty. You're going to love him if you take that time to watch him this year. Say less. Say less. We don't need another offensive defenseman. That's perfect. That is perfect. And I like that. Uh, So all, all the people lighting up that he was in the ECHL, I don't care. I could care less. The Sens have a good eye for prospects and that can't really be debated. So um, I think that's, a, I think that's a great addition. Um, so here's another thing that I wanted to mention. Uh, Kubalik, I've got his hockey DB pulled up. I'm doing the classic stat surf. Um, obviously broke into the NHL, ironically with the Chicago Blackhawks. He was up for, I don't know if you, I, I, I know he didn't win, but he was up for the rookie of the year. I believe he was a finalist that year in Chicago. He had 30 goals in 68 games. Um, then he went on to score 17 in the 56 game year, the, the COVID season. He then had 15 goals in 78 games with the Blackhawks. And then this year, his first year in Detroit, he had 20 goals, 25 assists, 45 points for eight in 81 games. Um, 
they just added another 20 goal scorer in my mind. That's that's the way I see it. He's on two really terrible Blackhawks teams, doesn't hit 20. It's a 20 goal scorer. And if you can have a 20 goal scorer on your third line, pretty good. Pretty good, especially with another 20 goal scorer in Shane Pinto. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. I saw somewhere that he only had 12 even strength goals last year, which is on par with what Debrinket had actually, which is kind of funny. So again, you're banking on Debrinket not ba- breaking out for me, the comparison I'm just trying to make there. Um, Debrinket's obviously a better player, but in terms of value, let's say, let's say Debrinket came back next year and didn't provide extra five on five offense like we thought he was. Then you're screwed because you've got eight million tied up in this guy. Instead, you can have Kubali for two and a half. I think if if they had signed Kubalik on his own as a free agent this summer, be a great signing for this deal. Be perfect. It's just a little bit tougher when it's the return uh, for Debrinket. But look, I think Sabrango is an underrated prospect. I think that that tweet there. I'm sure he's polarizing. If you want offense, you're not going to like him that much. But um, I, I I don't think he's going to make the NHL roster in you know this year next year. But it's a prospect. That's what they do. They're going to, he'll, he'll probably be in Belleville this season. And I'm excited. I'm excited. Reading that was good. I needed that to kind of make me feel good about what I said, because I, yeah, a year ago, a year ago at the world juniors, I thought he was great. And everyone's writing him off just because he got sent down to the ECHL. Um, it's clear that the Red Wings don't have the best development scheme going on. Uh, I, I think that's also fair to say. Yeah, for sure. And Sobrango just, he's like a very defensive defenseman. He kind of like, projects as what we heard about Tyler Clevin and he's obviously kind of becoming a more two-way guy but it's like I mean hey a Clevin Sobrango pairing if one of them plays are offside that's a nasty third pairing right there um yeah so back just back to Kubalik here uh he did so he scored you said 20 goals and 17 primary assists 40 points last year in 81 games he had 12 5v5 goals 9 5v5 primary assists and 24 5v5 primary points like, he's not going to give you what Debrinket gave you, but like 12 5v5 goals, you said, like that ranked second on Detroit. I'm just saying they could not score uh, 15. I think it was Larkin was the only one ahead of him. It was Perron, actually. Larkin only had nine. Um, but yeah, so Kubalik, like, I know, I mean, I personally like him beside Norris. I think he'd do really well with Norris, but uh, regardless, like he's a guy who is going to be a good middle six player for you. And like I said, the biggest thing about him in my mind is that you can sign him to an affordable deal. I really think that they're going to get him for like a few years at two to three million dollars, which is a nice deal for a middle six player uh, who, who's who got a couple years of prime left. So, yeah, Kubalik, I think it's great. Sobrango, I think, yeah, he's that sort of like that Tyler Clevin mold of being just a brute on the bottom pairing. Uh, I do remember him distinctly from the, the World Juniors, too. Like, he really stood out to me there. Uh, he had a rough year, but yeah, I think in Belleville, he's going to do a little bit better. Uh, the first round pick, I think also we need to talk about more because like, I know we talked about it, but it has to just be noted because Kubalik isn't the splash of this. I think the first round pick is the splash of this. Like that's the most valuable asset. And I think Boston's due for a big year of regression. We said that last year, but like, I really think they're going to fall off this year. Or, or yeah. Detroit's still going to be bad and we get, oh, they are. Like, they both might be bad. Detroit does not be... project as a playoff team. So like, and Boston... you know what the beauty of this is, Brennan? They're both in the Atlantic. So the exactly. Sens making the playoffs bumps both of them down. Yeah. And those could be great picks. And they, so they suddenly the games against Boston and Detroit are that much more important because we are going to have one of their picks, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the first round pick is the splash. I think people are upset about this because they didn't get the splash player. I think Berggren or Kubel or uh, Soderblom was who everybody wanted and they didn't get them. And that's, you know, that's a little bit rough, but they did get four assets, which is more than I was expecting. Got a little bit of quantity over quality, I think, in this one, though, compared to, um, I mean, I, again, like I like Kubalik and I like the pick, but I do think there was a little bit of quantity aspects to this instead of uh, getting the Berggren type. But I'm willing to bet Steve Eiserman said his terms and said, we're not giving you Berggren, we're not giving you um, Soderblom, and that's that. So it's I think Pierre Dorian what was, went with what was on the table a little bit here, um, and he got a fine deal. It's a fine deal. It's not an A+. It's like a B. It's a B-level deal in my mind. It's average. Like, that's all it is to me. So, so the thing for me is, is let's say it was Kubel, <clears throat> excuse me, it was Berggren instead of Kubelik. I think I'd have a different reaction because to me, that would be a pivot to looking just for future because Berggren's pretty young. No, he's, he's in his early 20s. Yeah, but he's still, he's like, he had a pretty good breakout year. Wasn't but he did, but, but I think, I think I like Kubelik because he's done it for four seasons now. He's, he's, he's now helped and Berggren would be a, no, I don't, I don't want to say project because he wouldn't be, but he would be a guy you're banking on breaking out even more. Right. And maybe that was just a career high for Bergman. You don't even know. 
Um, so that's my point. Like both of them would have been good. I would have appreciated two players for the roster now just to get this free agency stuff out of the way. Um, but if it was going to just be one roster player, I think Kubalik is the right guy. I think he's the right choice just based on what he's done for four or five years. He's 27 extension possible. I'm not really getting, going to get hung up on that though. Um, of their forwards now, he is the, I mean, important ones, let's say in that top nine, he's the only UFA after this season. So it's replaceable. If he has a bad year, move away. If he doesn't stay, you know, um, he's not going to fetch you a first round pick next year. I don't think at the deadline, maybe he does, maybe he breaks out if, if the sends are bad, but it, that won't happen. Like they're not going to be, this is going to be a playoff team. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere from day one of training camp. That's going to be the, the goal and the expectation from everyone. So I think, I think Kubalik makes more sense. Now, Cap space is still an issue. I see it going in the chat. Everyone is worried about the cap. And since fans, listen, it is okay. Every NHL team is against the cap right now. And a lot of NHL teams aren't finished. Because of Tarasenko, that's the only real reason. Well, okay, so Carolina and Ottawa were the finalists. And then he fired his agent because it was at the finish line with Carolina, apparently. And he got rid of his agents. So now it's back. So um, I'd be shocked if he goes back to Carolina anyway. But if he does, they're also over the cap. I don't think they can fit him in, right? So they have to make moves. There's more players available. I don't know. Like it's it's there's also Thomas Tatar. Like I, I don't believe I don't believe um the senators are going to make another huge trade. Uh, but I can see them moving some money out if they need to. Matthew Joseph is probably the first guy that comes to mind. I know Eric Branstrom was not listed on the team website the other day and everyone freaked out. That has to just be a mistake. Wouldn't make sense to just sign him and, and then not keep him, but um I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm just glad this is done because now we can move on and think and actually stop speculating. And I know that people might've been getting on you about all these mock trades and stuff, but they're fun. And I think, I think you were the one who put one of these out uh, that it was kind of similar to, right. It was um, this, this was a better case scenario than a lot of those mock deals. Yeah. I mean, I started to accept, I mean, heck like when, when Zadina name, when Zadina's name started popping up, I was accepting um, 17th overall this year and Zadina and that that was a deal I actually came around to in my mind just because I was desperate for this trade to happen like I've wanted this I've, I've been getting impatient you know I just wanted this to happen and get it done because now Ottawa can make another move which I expect them to um, but regardless like if I was willing to accept that I'm content with this like Kubalik is a guy who I wanted and I've just got you know for the fun of it here so um, this is just, and again, they're over the cap here. They'll have to move something around for sure. And I agree with everyone who's going to point that out. But like, I don't care. Trade Joseph. Like, this is a, a deal. Like, if they sign Tarasenko, for example, what it could look like. Uh, and to me, this is just a, an excellent roster. Like, this is balanced. This is, you've got playmakers with snipers. You've got, like, Tarasenko is going to score 50 goals beside Tim Stutzla. You've got just ridiculous balance here. And this is the type of lineup I expect to see. And you can sub Joseph out for a prospect. I don't care what you do. But, like, if you can get a Tarasenko or sign Tatar for less money, this is the type of roster they're going to be rolling next year. And I think that looks great. Like, to me, I'm, I'm very excited about this lineup. I don't know if people are disappointed and it doesn't look as good without Debrinkit. The one thing about this trade that sucks is that everybody around the league is, I already saw tweets about it. They're saying, like, oh, Ottawa, Ottawa got worse. They traded Debrinkit and they got Kubalik. And it's like, okay, like, please. We also didn't have Norris last year. We just signed our starting goalie. Like you can be pessimistic all you want, but at the like at the end of the day, especially if they add another piece, like this lineup looks twenty times better than it did last year. Please let's not forget that we were rolling out Dylan Gambrell, Patrick Brown, and Austin Watson as our third line half the goddamn year. So anyway, I get riled up about this stuff because people don't understand the impact that injuries had on the team last year, especially um, so many players missing. Like we use seven goaltenders, seven. And let's all just discount that. Uh, we just have to put other fans aside, I guess. But regardless, I think uh, I want to hear some some just thoughts in the chat here. Like, throw some stuff in. Uh, we can pull it up and, and we can keep talking about it. But I'd love to pull up some people's thoughts. Just initial reaction to the trade. Give us uh, what you think and what, what you're... Are you disappointed? Are you happy? Is this an average deal? Like, what do you think? Um, and yeah, we'll go from there if, if you want to keep... You got anything else, Jack? Yeah, man, this is, uh, it, it's just exciting. It's just exciting. Um, we've got people saying Korchinski is going to be better than Sanderson. Like, it's just, I love, knows. I love like, he's takes a, in the yeah. chat. Uh, I'll tell you for free. He won't be, he won't be. Jake Sanderson's a stud. Um, I like Korchinski though. I do. I do. Uh, yeah, look, I think this is a, a perfect mix of we're still trying to win, but also futures, right? So Brango 2024 first get a, 
I, I really wonder the fourth round pick. To me, I'm going to go back to um, when the Sens traded for Travis Hamannick in the first place. And the, another great quote from Mr. Pierre Dorian. Um, he, I think, I believe he said Vancouver wanted a, a fourth, but we didn't have one, so we gave a third. So I wonder if he's just trying to get as many fourths as he can, uh, you know, maybe to to pump that up. But yeah, re- restocking on draft picks is never a bad idea. And uh, yeah, you have something you want to throw in there? We've got a little bit of news, not news, but um, this is from Alex Debrinkit himself. So I just want to start by saying that I'm very thankful for the year I had in Ottawa. I made a lot of friendships that will last a lifetime and had a very fun year with a bunch of awesome guys. It was awesome to experience playing in a Canadian city and the passionate fans. Thank you to the fans for supporting us all year and all my teammates for making coming to the rink fun every day and the coaches for teaching me new things and learning from them every day. So I feel like I am back in grade two doing read uh, read alongs with the class, reading that out. But anyways, yeah, I mean, that's your typical kind of thank you note, I guess. I mean, there's nothing much to it. I still think people are going to be pretty unhappy with him. And after the contract he signed, I think it's rightful. Like, I, I'm, I think we both agree. Like, if if they boo him next year, and I was actually against that idea at first, but after seeing the contract, no. Like, you, you could have signed here. You could have stayed here. And, and frankly, you screwed yourself a little bit. So uh, regardless, I mean, I still like Alex. He seems like a good guy. He seems like someone who just wanted to go back for his family purposes and stuff. That's fine. It's your choice. But it is also professional sports and people are going to not like you for it. So uh, I think he knows that. And, and yeah, what do you think of that uh, That little thank you from Alex? Yeah, it seems genuine. I don't yeah. doubt that it's genuine. It's just like, like we knew he was going to say that regardless. Um, I do. I do believe it. Uh, I like that little part about the coaches at the end, though, because there was obviously speculation. He didn't like DJ Smith. Um, listen, if, if that was part of why he didn't want to be here again, that might be one of the most ridiculous things ever. There were so many, so much speculation. Um, and, and the four years is so strange. And like, maybe it was, it was the Red Wings not wanting to do eight. It was six or five or something. And then to saying, let's do four. So he can still be a free agent in his late twenties. But it's so weird. It's very, very weird to me. I think if I think if it's the first, the Sens probably get a Berggren instead of Sabrango. Um, or sorry, if it's if it's an eight-year deal, I believe that that would probably be the case. But um, yeah, man, this is this is it's weird. It's weird. He he made nine million in real salary this year. Uh, just way the way his his contract was structured uh, with Chicago, and then on the one year he had it with Ottawa. Um, he made 9 million. He'll be making 8.25 the next three years. And then 6.7 on the last year of his, of his current deal with the Red Wings. He look, I know it's not all about money. And and at the end of the day, it's still millions playing hockey, doing what you love. But this guy left millions and millions of dollars on the table to not stay in Ottawa. I believe the Sens offered him eight by eight. I would imagine that's what they did. Um, or what they were planning to do, what they were comfortable doing, because I think they had the space to do that. So it's interesting. It's really interesting. Um, I don't have I don't have anything more to say on Debrinket specifically. I think it's we we've said a ton, you and I, especially just this off season. We started started this podcast at end of April, and that was one of the main discussions. Day one, it was what to do with Alex Debrinket. What are we going to do? Um, so, look, I, we got a lot of of stuff going on in the chat right now, which is good. So everyone, just throw your, you know, what you want. What do you want the Sens to do next? I know we probably have some nonsense fans in here, and if if you guys want to chime in too, go for it. Just say, just say what you want the Sens to do. Do you want them to make a move? If you're impartial, if you're a fan of a rival team, do you want them to just crash and burn? Like, like I want your team too. Like, just let me know. Let us know. Um, I, I'm curious because I think there's a lot of different things the Sens can do. They can stand pat, wait for the deadline, move a first, bank on the team you have now, which is not a bad idea. Uh, sign Shane Pinto. I don't know what Shane Pinto is going to get. We haven't really talked about that to be honest at all. We've maybe mentioned it that he will get pennies based on what they do with the Brinket and could be the case still. So um, what would you give Shane Pinto? I'll, I'll go next, but what would you give Shane Pinto tomorrow? What, what are you sliding over to Mr. Pinto for a contract offer? Mine has always been two by two. I think you can get him for two years at $2 million, um, And then next summer, you're in a good spot with him as well at two. Uh, and then you can re-sign and sign somebody. I, I, I've seen people say that he's going to sign for less than two. And I've seen people say he's going to sign for more than two with certainty. Like, uh, it's just he's kind of a wild card and I mean I think that it should be noted that he's waiting here like I, I think that has to be said because Branstrom signed his deal but I think Pinto waiting might have been or probably was because they wanted to see what happened with the Brinkett 
uh, and, and what they ended up getting for salary. And I mean, heck, he might not even sign until we know about like a Tarasenko or a Tatar. Like the, if they've got that in the works, I don't know that they're going to give Pinto his money right now. They might want to wait and see uh, and then kind of offer him, like get him to work. Or for all we know, he could be working with them too. Like he might be saying, yeah, I'm willing to take a one-year deal at $1.3 million if it means we can make the team better. I don't know. It seems like that could be a, a route to potentially watch, but I think it just has to be noted that they are waiting with him, um, and, and that is most likely because of this trade. So, yeah, what would you give him? I, I know yours in the mock lineup it was a little bit lower than two by two. Yeah, I, I think you can get him under two. I think there's a reason the Brandstrom one happened so fast. I think it's because they, I don't say they value Brandstrom more, but with with Pierre, he's had a history of of getting to the most important RFA first, right? And it was clear that they did to brink it first found out what he was going to do. Then July 1st said, Branstrom, here you go, bud. You get 2 million. Here's your payday. If, if you know, if you want to call it that um, it's his biggest contract yet though. And then uh, I believe Pinto is the next on the list. And I, I mean, that probably means he's going to get less than two in my mind. And again, the Sens have all the leverage. They can say, look, you provided us a lot of um, value in, in a second line role that you were kind of thrust into 20 goals as a rookie is nothing to scoff at. He had a full season, which is important. Um, and and yeah, Pinto, I see New Gates there in, in the chat. Pinto definitely has a case for more than that. But if I'm Pinto, I don't want to, you know, if 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 I'm the Sens and Pinto asks for three, I'd say, okay, you're signing for six years then. You're here for six years, minimum. You're doing a Batherson type deal at 3.5, whatever you want to call it. Uh, because that's what you're going to, that's what the Sens are going to want. And it's because of the cap. And yeah, it's not super fair to Pinto, but again, he was a younger prospect coming in when this team had already locked up a ton of its top guys. So in a cap world, you can't allocate that much money for Pinto and he's got to know that. And the agent has to know that, that he won't be, you know, you can't be holding out for your third line center here, right? That's what he is. And that's who he is. And he's valuable. He really is. He makes that third line important. Um, but I think you can get him under two. Maybe it's a one-year deal. I don't know. I don't know because the cap will go way up next season. All of a sudden with no, with no to bring it tons of cap space for next season. Uh, Jake Sanderson's going to get a bag at some point. I'd imagine in training camp, kind of like Tim Stutzel, they'll try and get eight by eight done maybe with Sanderson, which is feasible now without a to bring it in the picture. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like, uh, I like Pinto just under two, which leaves a little bit of room for Tarasenko still. They might not have to move money. Again, we I've talked about a note this. on that too. I've okay, got we, something we, that yeah, go ahead first. I'll did, say did it just pop up? Is it is it breaking news? It's not breaking, but it's something that we hadn't thought of that we hadn't mentioned okay. that'll help the cap. It's if they if the Leafs buy out Matt Murray, that clears oh, one point three five million for us, I, I believe. So. I love I love where your mind's going, yeah. right? And again, in two seasons, if look, this is a there's a reason Brandstrom signed a one year deal. There's a reason um, Sanderson's going to get paid so much money. There's a reason that Shane Pinto will probably also sign a one-year deal. The cap is going way up next season. Tons of free agents next year. Lots of money will be flying around. UFA, RFA, whatever it is. The Senators have cap space going in anyway and money coming off buyout money. Matt Murray will be off the books as a retained salary. Like There are so many guys and so many things opening up for the Sens next year with everyone still locked up long-term. I just mentioned Kubalik is the only guy who you won't have team control over next season on the forwards. Giroux will have a year left. Uh, Chikrin has a year left. All these guys are still here, right? It's exciting. It's an exciting time to be a Sens fan now. And I know it sucks losing to Brinkett. It's not a great return. It's not a bad return. It's not a great return, though. It's fine, like we were saying. They have wiggle room now, and I think Pinto is a big part of that. I don't get the sense that he will hold out or anything like that. I think he will understand that I'm going to be making millions after like, he's going to get an extension after a year where he barely played the year before what, like he, he could have been on a league minimum AHL deal for all we know comes back, has a great year. And I think that if you're Dorian, you have the leverage to go to Pinto and say, listen, one, two years, you will get your money might not be here, but you'll get your money. Eventually just, you have to take your lumps here. And I talked about it. I, I wish they kind of did a, a bridge with Josh Norris, but that's neither here nor there. He didn't play this year. It's kind of unfair to be like that, but he's not cheap and he's not a discount. So he's important obviously with the money, but he's got that deal now. So um, yeah, long-winded answer. I think you can get Pinto for 1.75. Let's say, let's just throw that number out. I think you can get him cheap. You can get him cheap. Um, and and I think, I think that is where I'm at because I don't, I don't think that Tarasenko 
if Tarasenko gets four and a half, I think you can make it work with Pinto, just move some other minor contracts around. For sure. And yeah, if, if the Leafs buy out Matt Murray too, that, you know, if you get the Pinto discount a little bit and then you get Murray bought out, that's 1.5 million freed up right there, basically. So um, I, I think they can definitely make it work. And people like, you can move money around. I don't know why everybody's so worked up. If the Leafs are going to clear enough, like $9 million plus their, what they need for Samsonov, like you can move money. It happens. And frankly, now that the, the Suns got more draft capital, like I'd be fine moving Joseph in a second to clear three million off the books. I would be like I I don't care that it looks bad on Dorian. I'd be fine with it. Make it happen. They've got another first round pick now. You've got two firsts. That should make your second expendable to me. Like I don't care. You have to bite the bullet for that terrible contract. But it is what it is. I also think this should be noted. Like I'm just bringing up a few comments here. Um, like from Thomas Fitzpatrick, lost offensive power, but added Chikrin and Corpy since last year, so boosted the back end, which was a big issue going into last season. It was. You know why? Because Nikita Zaitsev was playing every night. So, <laughs> like, if you look at where Ottawa was, and I said the injuries were overlooked, how about the defense? Like, good lord, man, just get, getting rid of Nikita Zaitsev is a huge plus in itself, let alone adding a number one defenseman in Jacob Chikrin. And, and, like, I just, I find it really hard to understand how people look at the lineup now compared to the most common lineup they rolled out last season based on injuries and stuff, and, and feel underwhelmed. Like, it's so much better. Uh, and we just have to hope they don't get hurt again, but I mean, Corpus Allo too, that's a nice signing. Like, I, I can, yeah, he he's, comes with risk, right? But I think the odds are that he's going to be an upgrade based on what they had last year. And I think that if he can stay healthy, he's going to be that guy for them. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I look at this lineup, and yeah, if they can sign somebody else, and it comes down to Pinto, it comes down to potentially moving money, it comes down to the Leafs playing out Matt Murray, whatever happens, they can make it work. And they can be, like, they could sign Tarasenko tomorrow for $5 million a year and be just over the cap by $2 million, like, that's fine. That They're allowed to do that. They can be 10% over right now. So, yeah, I mean, I hope they do that, personally. Um, I want to keep bringing up some comments here, but, like, what else do you got? Like, uh, what else do you have on Debrinkin and this? Not Debrinkin, but on, on this trade, like... I don't uh, know. It, 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 the more I sit with it, I'm excited. And I think, I, I believe... You know, it, I just know. I know the Dorian's not done. There's there's stuff they're gonna do still. It's obvious. There's still a big like. It's weird to me though that the free agent market froze perfectly for the Sens, and I don't think that's a coincidence. I really don't. Um, whether it's Tatar or Tarasenko, one or the other. Look, like saving money is good, but again, like we've talked about this with Debrinket. If you save money on Debrinket, if the Sens signed Debrinket to this deal, that's just more money going to Pinto. Not that that's bad, but. If the Sens sign Tatar for three million, Pinto is going to get whatever's left. But if they sign Tarasenko to five, then they yeah they got to move some stuff around. But yeah, like like it's just interesting. It's really it's fascinating to me. Um, but yeah, I love that point because the blue line is a strength now. It was going into the offseason, and it still is their strongest point. Goaltending's solidified as of now. I don't know if goaltending's ever solidified, but it's strong. I like it better than it was last summer. I like Corpus Allo better than I like Talbot, which people can call me crazy. I don't think Talbot's that good. Um, He's not, and, and, and he wasn't, wasn't wasn't a. He wasn't before they no. got him either. He was like the among the worst in the league at, at we, goals saved above expected. Like it's uh, like, yeah. We we went live. We went live on July first when Corpus Allo was signed, and 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 after we finish up here, everyone can go check that out as well. Uh, just just over on our, our YouTube page again. Um, we we talked about Corpus Allo. I didn't really mention because they basically traded him for Talbot uh, with the Kings because the Kings signed Cam Talbot. Um, I would much rather a goalie who had stellar numbers on a garbage team than a goalie like Talbot who had stellar numbers on a very, very strong defensive team. I also, this brings me to Minnesota. It's perfect. I wanted to ask you because eerily similar situation here for the Sens than it was with Kevin Fiala in the Minnesota Wild last summer. The Wild got Brock Faber and the 19th, 18th overall pick from the Kings for Fiala. That's it. And Fiala extended eight years. And then the Sens get Kubalik, Sabrango, a first-round pick, and a fourth-round pick for Dabrinkit extended at four years. It's a better return. Which would you rather? And it has to be a better return. So, yeah, you can compare it to the original Dabrinkit trade. Probably not as strong just value-wise, but... If you look at the Fiala deal, just in the past, these sign-in trades, Matthew Kachuk one is strange. I, I mean, interesting to kind of compare those, but um, I don't know if you can. I don't think you can compare 
Matthew Kachuk and, and Alex to bring it to begin with, but it's similar though. It's the similar kind of haul. You get a roster player, younger guy, a defenseman or whatever, and a first round pick. So um, I, I like this better than what Minnesota got for Kevin Fiala. I, I don't think that's crazy to say, even though it was a year ago, I, I think, um, I think I'm happy. I'm happy. More we've talked about it. I'm at peace. I hope everyone in the chat also feels a bit more at peace. Just listening to us talk about it. It's exciting, man. This is a huge year for the Ottawa senators. Either way, if the break it was here or not, it's a massive season for Ottawa. Um, and I, I would hope that the players aren't discouraged. I don't think they should be. I think this is a deal that they should be excited about. They got help. They have a roster player. Kubali could outscore to bring it next year. Very, very real possibility. He is going to be on a better team and he had decent numbers on a bad Detroit team. And uh, like, played... and Detroit was not a goal scoring team. Like they didn't score a lot no. of goals. I think on this no. team, he's going to come in and light it up. Like, I think that's just a given for almost anyone who signs in Ottawa now. I think, I think uh, he'll be, he'll be a mainstay on that second power play as well. Uh, with, with a Giroux, with a Chikrin, whatever, whoever you want to call it. I think it's going to be a good fit. Um, so look, I, we're nearing an hour here. We like to go an hour when we can. We still have 300 people strong here, which is awesome. If you guys haven't liked uh, or commented or subscribed to the YouTube page, please do now uh, because we, we're happy to have you and, and tons of content coming out. We do weekly episodes. If you guys are new here, we do weekly episodes or bi-weekly. Sorry. What's the two word? episodes word a week. I think it, I don't know. Two episodes. I was trying to be fancy. I was trying to be fancy. Sometimes more. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. We'll do these. We got, we'll probably do one again tomorrow just to kind of after we sleep on this. Um, we do Mondays, Fridays, live streams when big things happen. So uh, Brennan, if you have anything else you would like to say to the, uh, the world here, the Ottawa Senators world, uh, after this trade finally went through, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are that Detroit fans are attacking me on Twitter while we're, while we're live right now um, for saying that, you know, that Berggren and that were untouchable. I mean, it's still like I've maintained this whole time that, yeah, I think Berggren would have been the A plus. And, and for me anyway, just I, I don't know. I love his upside. I love his game. But um, like, I mean, just a player like that, a Soderblom, a Carter Mazur would have been an A plus. But like, this is a B like this is still a fine trade. I don't like no Ottawa didn't win the trade. And if we're looking at it right now, you might be able to say Detroit won the trade just based on the contract and the 7.875 million. But um, I don't know. To me, this is not a lost trade for Ottawa. I think it's a B trade. And I think that whatever they do next as well is going to play a factor in it too. So like, I think you can, if they sign Tarasenko or Tatar, you can kind of factor that into this deal and unloading to Brinkett's contract. So uh, I think this is going to be fine. And Ottawa's lineup, I know people are tweeting about it, how they look shallow right now. And they need to sign someone else. I agree. I think they need to sign someone, but I think they will sign someone. I think that's part of the plan and part of the reason why Pierre put a rush on this. Like, have we considered that? Why Why was this so rushed and, and such a feeling of panic going on this deal if they weren't planning to sign someone else or add someone else? Like, does that not make sense? Am I missing something here? It seems like it seems like they could have waited until later in July, but lately they've really upped the ante, you know, and trying to move him. And is it just a coincidence that the free agent market is totally frozen since they've kind of upped the ante and since they were talking to Tarasenko? To me, it seems like it's not a coincidence. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, other than that, I'm going to do a very large article on everydaysense.com for anyone who wants to read it. Um, obviously, your subscription like helps us completely run this and, and everything else, but uh, that'll be up hopefully tomorrow. And yeah, we can do a pod tomorrow again after we sleep on it. I think we'll have some more opinions. There's going to be a lot of stuff on Twitter. Maybe we'll know something else about their plans. Um, a Sunday night is an interesting time to break a trade like this. But yeah, I'm, I'm good. So thanks everyone for tuning in. I mean, 300 pretty strong the whole time and, and even more than that. So that's awesome. Uh, our goal is to get to a thousand subs by training camp or opening night. So yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, we were, we were certainly well on our way there. I think originally I was I was saying by the end of 2023 and then we skyrocketed a bit, which is awesome. So again, we thank everyone. Uh, at a glance, again, if if you are just joining and and for some reason anyway we'll recap here uh the senators signed alex to bring it i don't believe it was a sign and trade it sounds like he just signed detroit, with detroit signed him yeah which again it doesn't that doesn't matter i think those were blown out of proportion a little bit uh so detroit signs the alex to bring it to a four-year 7.875 million dollar annual average value contract on a four-year deal for to bring it the 25 year old um and the Sens get in return Dominic Kubalik with one year left at 2.5 million Donovan Sabrango a 21 year old prospect who is a Canadian and we'll dive into Sabrango I think we can talk about him a bit more tomorrow and a conditional first round pick with a lot of weird conditions but it'll be the 
worst one Detroit's choosing is, is what it says, but the worst one of Boston and Detroit's for next season and a fourth round pick next year as well. So decent haul. They get a roster player for their top nine. They get a decent prospect and a first round pick for a guy who wanted out. Not bad if you're Orion. Not great. Not bad. Um, so thank you again, everyone, for watching. We will see you all next time. Tomorrow we'll have that up in the afternoon. I saw some people asking. And uh, we will see you all on Monday. Please subscribe, like on the YouTube page. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in.